Welcome to the Leading on Purpose podcast with Jackie, where you will hear stories of passion, purpose, and leadership designed to inspire you to live your best life. So let's get started. Dear God, thank you for everyone that is listening to this podcast and for our guest. I ask that you give everyone favor and help them live their best life. Keep this in mind. You will never influence the world by being just like it. So be yourself, be authentic, because the world needs you. Now let's hear from our guest. I am so excited to have my guest with me today, and it is Jill Vitiello. We are going to talk about creating a highly engaged team. Jill, how are you today? I'm just great, Jackie. It's so wonderful to be here with you. Thanks so much for inviting me. Absolutely. So we're talking about one of my favorite topics, and that is um, having a a highly engaged team. It is definitely critically important to have a team that's highly engaged because we know that leads to greater performance. But before we jump into some of those questions, um, I feel like there's starting to be some light at the end of the tunnel with the pandemic. Um, And people are starting to go back into offices. Things are starting to look brighter for everyone. But my question for you is, what is one new habit that you picked up during the pandemic that you want to continue? Jackie, don't kill me, um, but it's Zooming with friends and family. I've got to tell you, (laughs) people, I know we have Zoom fatigue, but I've got to tell you that having that ability to Zoom with faraway friends that I haven't been able to see in such a long time has, has actually strengthened those friendships. So for my faraway friends who I can't get to see often enough, we're Zooming. You know, I love that, Jill. You're so right. There have been several um, times that I've gotten on with friends that I have not seen in a long time, mm-hmm. or like you said, that live far away, that we never would have done that had it not been with the pandemic. So I love that idea. That's a great idea. You're absolutely right. Um, So if you could, Jill, please tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Thanks, Jackie. So I'm Jill Vitiello. And for the past 30 years, I owned and led a communications agency that was known as Vitiello Communications Group. And the agency was focused on helping Fortune 500 companies and their leaders build healthy, inclusive workplace cultures and engage their employees. So last year, uh, I sold my business to the Creative Engagement Group. They're based in London, England. And we're continuing, uh, I'm continuing on in the business. Now my title is Partner and Executive Vice President of 41 Vitiello. Um, And we have a presence in the United Kingdom and here in North America. Okay. So that's a little bit about your your business and your your background in, in starting your business. Tell me a little bit more about you personally. Well... Uh, Thank you for asking. Um, I am married to the amazing Mike Vitiello. Uh, We've been together, uh, married now for 38 glorious years. We have two grown daughters. Uh, Jessica Tavares is an IT professional. She's married to Ramon and they have a beautiful grand, uh, it's my grandson, their son, Dylan. Um, He's absolutely adorable and we love spending time with them. And they live in the Tampa Bay area. And uh, I, our, we have a younger daughter, and that is Dr. Vanessa Vitiello-Williams. She just earned her doctorate in psychology from Pace University. And Vanessa is completing her internship at Maimonides Hospital in Brooklyn. Uh, 
And uh, in July, she'll begin her postdoc fellowship working with expectant and postpartum moms uh, at a nonprofit in Manhattan, where she lives with her husband, Rich Williams. And Rich is uh, a manager of global finance communications at Johnson & Johnson. So as you can see, family is really where my heart is. Awesome. Well, yeah. congratulations on two amazing daughters that are doing very well in life. So that's, yeah. that's incredibly awesome. So, and, and you being married, you said Mike, the Mike, you said. The amazing Mike. <laughs> the amazing Mike. Okay. The amazing Mike. <laughs> that's awesome. So let's, let's dig into your business a little bit more, Jill. You started off sharing a little bit about your business, but Tell the listeners in a little bit more detail the work that you've done and, and why did you choose the, the business that you started? Sure. So as I mentioned, my company was called Vitiello Communications Group. And the company really grew out of my interest in putting a human face on business. So we focus on internal communications, and that's all about employee engagement, executive and leadership messaging and change management. When I sold my company, we joined forces uh, with a company in the UK known as 41, and now we're 41 Vitiello. And it has just been such a successful match because we're very like-minded in the approach that we use and in the work that we do. Um, but I'm going to take you back a few years, Jackie, if you don't mind. I founded my business in 1990 after working for several years on Wall Street in public affairs organizations for global uh, financial companies. And the last staff job I, hel I held was as the speechwriter to the CEO of The Equitable, that venerable insurance company. So while I was in that job, I had my first daughter, Jessica, and becoming a mom changed me profoundly. And I know it does for so many women. Uh, I realized when I had Jessica that my brief maternity leave would soon come to an end and I would have to resume my two-hour commute, two hours one way from my home in New Jersey to the office in Manhattan. And I suddenly realized that I would never see that little girl, that infant, awake. And that wasn't going to work for my family and for me. So I negotiated with my colleagues at Equitable and they allowed me to work from home. And I came into the office about once every two weeks. The CEO, who I was writing speeches for, said, I don't care where you work as long as you're writing my speeches. Now, Jackie, I got to remind you, this was the 1980s. That's great. So this was before cell phones. There was no internet. And when I was writing those speeches, I had to print them out in my home computer and fax them page by page to the CEO. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. But at Equitable, I inadvertently became that poster child for what was then known as telecommuting. And because my employer was so courageous and forward thinking, I was able to stay in that job for another two years. And I devoted plenty of time to raising Jessica in those precious early years. Um, but then when leadership changed, I decided to take my career in the direction that I'd always imagined for myself. And that was to set out on my own as a freelance writer in the area of business writing and Equitable became my first client. I can remember discussing this with Mike, my husband, and we prayed about it. And I said, you know, we're, we're going to try this. We're going to do it for one year. And if it fails... I'll look for a new job closer to home. Well, as it turned out, I really enjoyed freelancing and was pretty successful at it. So soon I was recruiting other work from home moms in my field to help us with some larger projects. 
1993, Vanessa came along. And then by the time she was in middle school, suddenly I realized that this informal consortium of freelancers might actually be a business. So this wasn't in my mind when I first set out, but I realized, yes, uh, this was going to happen. So we formed the LLC. And in 2007, uh, that's when that happened. And we just enjoyed steady growth year over year. But one of the distinguishing features of that company that I built is that our team members all work from their own homes. So I was looking for a way to give communication professionals the same opportunity that I had to build a thriving career and also contribute to family life. I wanted, it was right for me, and I wanted the same thing for those who were interested in that approach as well. And that, that openness, that work from home model allowed me to recruit great employees from all over the country. So I wasn't limited by geography because we didn't have uh, an office where people had to go to get work done. And that model has um, proven to be super successful, especially now when we're seeing, you know, for the last year, so many folks working from home um, because of pandemic. And I will just say that with that in mind, we really were workforce, remote workforce pioneers. And uh, we built the systems and the culture to support that virtual work. Wow, that's a that's a fantastic story. I mean, you started off back, like you said, before there was, you know, this this idea of remote working. And we've all been doing it now for the last year consistently. But that's right. You know, I see you as a pioneer in the company that you work for and giving you that opportunity. That's really fantastic. You know, there's something else that you said that really resonated with me. A couple, I mean, several things, but What's your thoughts on, you know, the fact that over the last year we have been working virtually, you hear in the news that a lot of companies are considering not bringing people back to the office. That's going to increase their opportunities to bring talent into their organization from different parts of, of, of the you know, U.S. could be outside the U.S., who knows, depending on what they decide mm-hmm. to do. What's your thoughts on that for companies? Do you... How do you feel like in that setting, people can still stay engaged, even though they're working remotely in all different locations? Mm -hmm. So Jackie at 41 Vitiello, that is a huge area of practice for us right now. Clients are coming to us who relied on us for employee engagement and employee experience programs and practices. And they're saying, we need help to get people to return to the workforce and to use that space and interact in a brand new way. We don't know of anyone who's going back full force and saying and insisting that people go back to the way things were. That's just not happening. We're not seeing that. What we are seeing leaders do is take so much of the learning that they've gathered from this last year where they've adapted and they've learned how to use Teams and Zoom to um, have video chats and video meetings, those uh, technologies themselves have evolved so well. And we're seeing them being willing to change company policies and practices so that they can accommodate people, they can make people feel safe and comfortable no matter where they're working, and bring them back into the workplace in a way that makes sense for the organization and, and the clients they serve and the work that they do. So we're seeing leaders be super thoughtful uh, about how 
they're uh, creating these policies, bringing people back, and then helping them to work together. But this new hybrid model has created a, a new challenge, if you will, because when everyone was in the office, we had a certain way of working. And then when everyone had to quickly scatter to remote, then we established a, new, a different way of working. Now we're creating this hybrid approach. And it's different for each company, depending on their needs. And what we're cautioning leaders about is making sure that they strengthen their culture to make employees who choose or are working from home feel as included and have their voices heard as much as the people who are on premises. So we're, we're really counseling folks to be mindful of not fracturing cultures based on where you sit at what time of the day, or even what kind of work you're doing. Because we know in certain industries, uh, certainly the ones that our company serves, there are folks that never work from home. They can't. They're in the manufacturing uh, area or, uh, you know, they, they're expected to be on-site providing face-to-face -face service to customers. Um, so we really are looking at ways to prevent that us and them culture. And there are certain ways to do it. Um, there, there are online tools. Uh, we use the social media, internal social media tools to get people talking and connected. And we also have um, uh, ideas for leaders on how they can intentionally create opportunities for people to get together and share and be focused on cultural um, aspects so that it's not forgotten, it's not pushed to the side. Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty interesting to see how companies evolve over the next, you know, 12, 18, 24 months as people start to make decisions on, you know, going back in the office, what percentage of people or what percentage of time you have to be there, you don't have to be there. I think it's going to be very, very interesting mm -hmm. to see how things evolve. And I think, you know, of course, there's been a lot of tragedy throughout this last year, we never mm -hmm. want to, you know, ignore that by any means. At the same time, I do think there's going to be, like you said, a lot of learnings from this last year that can um, get be, can be um, part of normal ways of working mm -hmm. for companies moving forward that can be more efficient, more effective than mm -hmm. even, you know, prior to the pandemic. So I'm really interested to see how things evolve over time. You know, I want to touch on something you just said. You talked about the fact that we have to acknowledge that many people have endured tragedy, whether it's in their own personal yeah. life and certainly in our society over this past year. I mean, we just had a pretty significant anniversary right. uh, that we noted like, just a couple of days ago. Um, what we're seeing is that leaders are learning about humanizing their interactions, their interpersonal interactions and their organizational approach to allowing people to bring their whole self to work. So when I can see into your home and I see kids running around and pets jumping up in your lap, that's a very different work experience than I had with you when we were both in the office together and there was a veneer of professionalism. Right. That's gone now. And so when we return to work, when we create this hybrid approach, we're really asking leaders to bring that humanization, bring that flexibility back with them to the workplace and to be listening and watching for employees who are struggling. That duty of care, that sense of um, being focused on people's well-being, we never want that to go away because that was a huge takeaway from this experience that we endured together. Yeah, absolutely. That mm. was very well put, Jill, very well put. So, you know, so I have another question for you about your business. Going back to your business, how does, how, when you started your business, 
Very great, you know, really great story that you just shared. How does your business align to your purpose? So I'm passionate about two specific things. One is the power of communication to drive connection and engagement, particularly in the workplace. And then the other thing I'm passionate about is the educational uh, and economic empowerment of women in particular. My purpose is to help business leaders make their own workplaces diverse, equitable, and inclusive so that their companies and their employees can thrive and be a force for good in the world. And I see a real opportunity for business leaders to take hold of that now and begin shaping those cultures in the workplace and modeling them for the rest of society. It's a pivotal moment, Jackie, and I'm really excited about it. You know, I just want to, I want to build on that a little bit. Something that I've heard um, is happening, and I'm not sure if you've experienced this yourself, but with your purpose, I love what you said. You can tell there's so much energy there about creating this, you know, workforce where there's, you know, greater diversity. People can bring their full selves to work and, you know, equitable and inclusive. You know, a lot of companies, like you said, over the last year, because of everything that has gone on in our society, things that have already happening, but it just really bubbled up really clearly over this last year. Um, so a lot of companies are starting to focus more on putting, you know, diversity and inclusion within mm -hmm. the organizations and pretty and really putting some emphasis um, behind it. But you're also hearing people and companies saying almost enough already. You know, we're, we're talking about this a lot. You know, that sometimes I feel like people think it's taking away from other aspects of talking about the business. Have you experienced that? And if so, how do you help companies overcome that? Yeah, um, it's a tough one. Uh, I think there are folks who feel like we have just scratched the surface in diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'm one of those. Uh, there are others who say, you know, let's just get back to business. Why do I have to care so much? I think we've seen why we have to care so much is our businesses depend on the energy and the investment and the engagement of the people <clears throat> that we hired to do work in our companies. So as a leader, yes, I have to understand my business and I have to be super smart about that. But my first duty of care is to the people I lead. And I need to understand them. And honestly, Jackie, I need to love them. And that means if I need to broaden my understanding of people's lived experiences, diversity, equity, and inclusion training is one way to help me do that. It makes me a better leader. And once I have that foundation and that skill, I don't have to think about it constantly because it's now embedded in the way that I lead. And if it's one leader and it's 10 leaders and it's a hundred and a thousand, suddenly we're changing the culture. And DE&I isn't just sort of a, you know, a recognition of a holiday or a certain event that's taken place in the world. It is a constant lived principle that we bring to the business world that enriches our experience in the organization and just makes us better at what we do. Mm -hmm. So I don't, at 41 Vitiello, we really focus on this, not leaving DE&I to the fringes of corporate culture, but weaving it into the fabric of the culture. And there's so many ways to do that. Communication, obviously, is my favorite way to do it uh, because it's so powerful and it's something that people can do easily and adapt into their everyday work style. Okay. 
That's, that's fantastic. Um, I love your passion around that. That's fantastic, Jill. Which brings me to my next question. Uh, and I, you started to touch on it by what you just shared, but what, when you have a highly engaged team, what does that look like? And what are the results of that? So uh, I don't want to brag too much, but I have to tell you that the team at 41 Bit Yellow, that's what a highly engaged team looks like. They are purpose-driven and collaborative. We share common values. And we, um, at our company, we express those values with an acronym GRIT, G-R-I-T. And each of those letters stands for uh, one of our values, growth, respect, integrity, and teamwork. Now, listen, we do a lot of work in values, vision, and mission. And that could be true of any company. But what, what makes this so powerful at 41 Bitiello is that we co-created these values together. We created the acronym together and we live those values. Each one of those words has several behaviors linked to it so that we can check ourselves at any time and say, am I living out these values in the way I'm interacting with my coworkers, in the way I'm filling out my expense report? Do I have integrity? Am I respecting the voices of other people? All of these things factor into the way that we do our work together. So part of the success of that is bringing together people so that you've got their input um, and you hear their voices and you're building a culture around values that make sense for everyone and that everyone can feel a part of. That's critically important. You asked me about the results. I mean, for us, it's been just an outstanding roster of loyal clients who choose to work with us year after year, who tell their friends about us and bring in new wonderful client relationships. So it's all around building and living out those values so that we can help other people achieve their um, objectives and, and be successful as well. And we bring that same skill to our clients to help them engage their workforces. Um, it, it's just amazing to me that um, when everyone on the team feels engaged, when they feel that they belong, their contributions are valued, their voices are heard, that's when you begin to build that healthy workplace culture. That's where innovation and creativity happens because people are safe to say. And I think I said a moment ago, I think the leader's job is to understand the business and the people, to love them, and also to create that psychological safety where every member of the team can bring his or her or their whole self to work every single day. Because that's what we hire them to do. That's what we want. We want the best and people will bring you the best and be engaged with one another if they are safe to be who they are, genuinely, authentically who they are. Very well said, Jill. Very Thanks. well said. <laughs> you can um, tell I really care about this. Absolutely. So what you, you've touched on a few things regarding leaders, like you just said, you know, they need to know their business, but they also need to know their people. Just what else, just in a tactical way, what can leaders do to create a highly engaged team? So Jackie, I think the best leaders uh, who are focused on that is that they make communication a priority. So themselves and their organizations treat communication as the critical business function that it actually is, kind of similar to human resources or finance or uh, in, uh, information technology. And I believe that communication begins with listening. So that's at the interpersonal level where uh, people managers are engaging their teams in dialogue and creating that atmosphere where people are safe to say. 
and also at the organizational level. And uh, at 41 Vitiello, we have tools and resources to help organizations listen to the voice of their employees. We do surveys, we do focus groups. We also have an amazing uh, digital tool called Think Tank, uh, which we use very frequently to get quick input in these sort of anonymous uh, facilitated focus groups that yield great data that's actionable right as soon as you finish the, the focus group online. So there's lots of ways to listen uh, to build that engagement on teams. Okay. And, and because, you know, we talked about, we started talking about it a little bit earlier, you know, with this, us working in this hybrid, well, right now for most people still working hundred percent virtually, but it's going to start to, like I said, people trickle back into the office and maybe more hybrid working because of the pandemic, what additional things should leaders consider when it comes to creating a highly engaged team. And you touched on a couple of things earlier, but is there anything else that you wanna add that leaders should be thinking about in building a highly engaged team because of the pandemic? I think listening is part of it, Jackie. I I think that's critically important. Uh, Listening and responding, uh, not to defend or explain, but to reflect and bring those uh, employees' voices into the conversation about how do we form policies and procedures that help our employees uh, be the best that they can be. I think that's a big piece of it. And as I said, we're doing a lot of work with our clients now in that space. A number of our uh, client companies have formed program management offices to do this work. They bring in experts in information technology, HR, space planning, real estate, all a safety, huge, you know, physical safety, all of these experts within the organization are, uh, they have something to add to help make sure that um, people are returning to the workplace safely and productively. I talked to one client today and the way she put it was so interesting. She said, we're talking about re-onboarding every single one of our employees. Mm. So when you think, I loved what she said, because when you think about it that way, think about the day you were onboarded, that first day on the new job, and how overwhelming that is, right? You're being given tons of information to read and absorb. You're meeting a lot of people. You don't know where things are. I mean, the most important thing is where's the restroom and where's the coffee? You know, (laughs) those are the critical things when you're on premises. So when you're bringing people back into the workplace, you're you're dealing with people who are literally re-onboarding into this whole new experience that is now affecting your corporate culture and the way you do business. Yeah, I love that idea. You're absolutely right. I mean, a lot of people in their mindset has shifted as well. Yes. I mean, when we first started in the pandemic, I think most people were uncomfortable at first working at home because lives were bl- your work life and your personal life were all blended into one. That's right. But now that people have had the opportunity to work from home for over a year now, I'm hearing people say they don't want to go back to the office or, ne- or at least not full time. Mm-hmm. So that re-onboarding, I love that concept. That sounds yeah. fantastic. It's true. It is. And, but I think leaders need to be cognizant that not everyone is um, happy working at home. There are some people yes. who are very eager to get back into the workplace for a number of reasons. Absolutely. And so just that's why listening is so important, Jackie, because when you take all that into consideration, you're not making decisions based on your own points of reference. You're taking all of your team into consideration and saying, what can I do to make this team successful in this now normal? 
That's key. Absolutely. So loud and clear communication and listening. Absolutely. Exactly. Well, I'm going to shift gears for a couple of minutes, Jill, and then we're going to finish up with a couple of more questions. Then I'm going to ask you three, three fun questions. Are you ready? I just want you to respond with the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Brace yourself. Sure. Okay. (laughs) First one is what is your favorite song? Oh my gosh, that's so easy. It's Thunder Road by Bruce Springsteen. Okay. Now, are you willing to sing a line or no? Oh, no. No, No. I I couldn't do that to the boss. He'd never forgive me. (laughs) Okay. What about one, what food could you not live without? Dark chocolate. Dark chocolate. Okay. Essential to life. Okay. Just plain or with nuts or just? Oh, no. Just plain you know, high cocoa content, dark chocolate. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And my last one is what makes you very happy? What puts a big smile on your face? Talking to people like you. I love to meet. I'm serious uh, because I know they can't say us, but we're smiling at each other. And it is so rewarding to meet people who want to help others succeed in whatever journey they're on. And I'm just so impressed with what you've been able to do with your podcast and the wonderful guests you've had on. Thank you, Jill. I really appreciate that. That's very kind. (laughs) Very kind. I enjoy speaking with people like you as well. I I surely, I get a a total high after doing these podcasts. It's really energizing for me. Yeah, we can hear that in your voice every (laughs) every time. So just a couple more questions and then we're going to close out. Um, what advice would you give leaders that are struggling with team engagement? If you have leaders out there that feel like they have a team that's not really engaged right now, what, what advice would you give them? So I have a friend who's a very successful IT executive, and he taught me a mantra that goes like this. The who is you. So in my opinion, if a leader is struggling with team engagement, the first place she has to look is at herself. And in addition to understanding the business, as I said, leaders need to understand people. And that takes a lot of intentional work. Leadership can be learned and it needs to be learned. Not everyone is, has the skills just because they've been promoted into a spot or have been given authority over others. It's an intentional study and it's fun. So one of the best things I ever did to learn leadership skills was to join and actively participate in business advisory organizations. Um, early in my journey as a business owner, I belonged to the Women Presidents Organization and then later joined Vistage International. And so these business leaders, CEOs and, and other business owners were very skilled at helping me and each other find their blind spots, and really work to overcome them. And so once you do that as a leader, once you begin to work on yourself and improve your skills, no matter where you are in your journey, no matter how long you've been in a role, you can use those skills and your team will begin to see the change in you. That's the best way to start. Um, That I would say is once your team sees you making those improvements and your ability to lead them, they're going to be open to more suggestions from you and different ways of working. And then you can begin to focus on where your people as a team need to strengthen their skills. That's great, Jill. And I know that's not necessarily easy to do, right? Look at yourself first and and see what you need to do as a leader. But you're right. I mean, you have to start with yourself um, and then see where you can take the team. I love that. Exactly. 
And then you ask the team, um, you know, we've, we've kind of talked a lot about listening, but if you ask for their input on what they need from the team experience, what they need from a leadership perspective, they'll tell you. Um, and it's just a matter of, you know, thinking through what action you take to address those needs. Absolutely. So a couple of more questions. What is the worst, what is the best and worst leadership advice that you've ever been given? So I'll start with the best. Um, when I was at Vistage, uh, I learned four profound questions. And I try to use these questions to guide my actions. In fact, I have them on a sticky note on my laptop. And so anytime I find myself reacting instead of responding or jumping to a conclusion instead of listening, I look at that sticky note and here's what it says. Who do I want to be? What is my highest purpose? Is this the way I want to be? defined? And then my favorite, would I teach this way of being to someone I love? You know, leaders are in a privileged role. And sometimes we forget that. And I'll I'll give you just a brief anecdote, although my mom would kill me if she knew I was saying this. I love salty language. I, you know, as a writer, I I find that it can be useful, certainly not in the corporate setting, but I just (laughs) do. And I learned um, as a leader that using salty language is probably in the business setting is probably not a good idea. People can find it fearful and intimidating. And, or you can set a standard that brings vulgarity and crassness into the workplace. That's not your highest purpose and that's not your best. So my uh, very helpful Vistage group brought that to my attention and we really worked on it. And I have made a conscious effort to clean it up and to not use that kind of salty language, even though I find it acceptable, others don't. And uh, that was just, you know, kind of one way that I thought about, would I teach this way of being to someone I love? I certainly didn't let my daughters use salty language, and I hope that they don't right now. Uh, And it's not, it's certainly not what my mother taught me either. Right. Well, Mm -hmm. I love that. Those four questions. So listeners hit pause, rewind, write those four questions down. (laughs) Those were were great questions. I mean, the last one, especially it's like, wow. Say the last one again, Jill. I was like, sure. Ask yourself, would I teach this way of being to someone I love? That is so powerful. Wow. It really helps you get that, uh, that sense of privilege as a leader in check, because what is it that you want to pass on? What do you want to be defined by? Certainly not using salty language inappropriately that, and that's just one example of the many mistakes I've made in my long career, (laughs) (laughs) but working to overcome it. But you asked me about the worst advice I ever received. I honestly couldn't think of any. Um, but I will tell you the kind of advice that has always sent me into overdrive. And that's when people say, you can't do that. And for my entire <laughs> life, my response has always been, watch me. <laughs> I love that. Well, that's actually going to lead me to, to my last, um, almost my last question here. How do you stay motivated? <laughs> it might so be Jackie- saying that you can't do that, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was born this way. I have to admit, I was born this way. And it wasn't until I was pretty far in my career and I became active in the women's business community and I met other women business owners who were as driven and motivated as I am. It was when I met them, it was like I was able to breathe for the first time in my life. So uh, this is how I am naturally. Um, It's just, you know, this is it. And I hope that my 
passion about communicating, about leadership, and about the need for women to be empowered uh, in their education and their economic standing. I hope that all came through today in our conversation. Yeah, it, it certainly did, Jill. It, it definitely did. You know, and how can people get in contact with you, Jill? So I love connecting with people, as you say. Um, certainly, I'm on LinkedIn. It's you know just Jill Vitiello, and I would invite you and uh, you and I are connected. But I invite your listeners uh, to send me an invitation. I'd be happy to accept. And of course, email's great too. Uh, they can reach me at jill.vitiello at 41.tceg.com. That's fantastic. Well, Jill, it has been a pleasure chatting with you. I love all of the incredible advice that you have shared on how to create a highly engaged team. And you certainly exhibit an extreme amount of passion. And I know you're making a positive difference in organizations. So Jill, thank you for spending your time with uh, our listeners today and surely appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jackie.